Imaginative Radio. What's going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode... 246 of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. And I'm Kevin as well. And uh this yeah. week's this week's my episode. This yeah, this yeah, this week is your episode. Yes. Uh, so anything to complain about previously or <laughs> like pre pre episode we got anything to complain about or I'm gonna save that for Patreon. No, no complaints. Okay. Well just uh oh, oh I have to give a shout out. To uh, David Mensch, because, I mean, you know. Um, first off, A, you're fucking druid. Wow. Okay. You know, you knew I was going to talk about For it. For anybody that doesn't know what we're nerding <laughs> about, we, we're playing Diablo now. By the way, they called my ass out on the episode, their re- most recent episode, um, which you should go listen to, of the Macabre Emporium podcast. Very good show. Um, but they called me out for not having Diablo yet because Kevin got it before I did. Um, but I got it, so suck it. <laughs> I'm still terrible and like low level, but that's okay. Um, yeah. If any anybody else plays Diablo and you would like to come on and suck at it with with us, we're yeah. welcome to. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, just give us a shout out and uh, on Facebook, and yeah, we'll uh, definitely uh, you know, we'll hook up our with our gamer tags we'll and whatever, around. and yeah. we can fuck around with it. Yeah, you know when we're. Not doing podcast stuff, you know, or after we do podcast stuff. Right, that too. You know. <laughs> anyway. Or let's while, get, while. Let's get into yeah. it. So this week's episode, like I said, is my episode. And if you forgot, have, or for, have forgotten, I rolled a crime via the Cube of Doom. Oh, wait. You only would have known about the roll Most if you were of on you... Patreon at patreon.com forward slash darkwindowspodcast. $5 a month. You could have found out what he rolled. <laughs> you know what? That's funny. Because, see, this is, this is actually what I wrote. I said, uh, most of you may not know that because, well, most of you... Are not on Patreon, Patreon subscribers. Hey, you cheap and then I have, <laughs> then I have in parentheses, I say, cute Kevin with his Patreon pitch. And then, why do you have to do a You don't thing? have to, I'm a salesman, dude. It <laughs> you just are. happens. Uh, so, yeah, and if you, like Kevin said, if you had been part of Patreon, you would have known that uh, we rolled a die of doom, or maybe it's the die of fun. I don't know. It's the cube. Okay, whatever. And it's an acronym for something that I haven't figured out yet. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so the jury, I feel, is out on it. I know Kevin is feeling that it's the cue of doom since he doesn't like the what he rolled for next week. So he has rolled another one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I so, like talking about kids getting hurt, and that's pretty much all cults do. So. Yeah, most part. Uh, so since I got a crime, I went on the hunt for a crime to cover that I have never heard of, of but... I'm sure somehow Kevin has heard of it. But Honestly, when you told me the title of it for me to say it, I've never fucking heard any of this. Well, that's good because so, I'm going to cover it anyway. So you know, I would hope if, so. Even if you had, I would hope so. It's not going to be like, well, I guess I can't cover it because you've never heard of it, and then we just end the show. 
<laughs> of course, um, you know, that'd done. Be fucking terrible, dude. Done forever. See ya. Adios. Only that lucky. <laughs> Uh, so the topic for this week is the New Orleans trunk murders. Now, I know I was thinking the same thing. How do trunks kill people? They don't, unfortunately, but people... Trunks don't kill people. People with trunks kill people. God, you steal my fucking thunder! <laughs> ah! You take your glasses off. I can read it from here. No, I can't. Fucker. <laughs> anyway... So, it's the Roaring Twenties. I'm moving on and disgruntled because Kevin stole my shit. Anyway, it's the Roaring Twenties. Life during this time is good if you're super rich, but if you're poor, it's not great, and you often get forced into situations that you don't want to be in. Oh, so you mean like the 2020s? The, the Roaring Twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And in this case... There's two brothers uh, named Henry and Joseph Moody. Uh, now, let's set the backdrop for this event, okay? Like I said, it's the 20s, and it's actually New Orleans. Uh, but to be more precise, it's in the French Quarter of New Orleans. Nothing good has ever happened there. Um, now, during this time, it's said that this area was known for its, quote, vibrant culture scene. With it's where the black people lived. It's basically. That, no, <laughs> that uh, coalesced around writers such as Sherwood Anderson and Lyle Saxon. I never heard of either one of them. Um, like, why are you Why are you mentioning these people like we're supposed to know who the fuck they are? I don't know. But an inter- I'm sure some well, nerd out there knows who they are, but they're not well, listening to this. Well, in institutions like arts and crafts, uh, arts and crafts clubs, and double dealer uh, 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 literary magazines magazine artists writers and partitions of bohemian lifestyle were drawn to the lower rents and old world aesthetic of the uh view carry whatever the hell that is i didn't look it up it's just a quote okay don't shoot the messenger i'd love to no don't so the French Quarter at this time was not the same as we know it today. It was still a working class district, different than what you're thinking. It wasn't that working class. Okay. Well, somewhat that working class, but it was mostly people working in factories and whatever. What are you talking about? What I what I mean? You know what you were going to mean if you actually paid paying attention. The working class. You think I was talking about hookers? Yes. No, dude, there's no hookers in Louisiana and New Orleans. People just get drunk and fuck. Nobody gets paid for it. <laughs> no, the French Quarter is where all the spooky shit happens. That's what oh, I was well, thinking. There was French, there's hookers there. Um, so in the dec- I don't know. I'm a happily married man, so I wouldn't even be out looking for hookers. I didn't say you were. I could find you one. I don't need Being, one. Why not? Because I don't. So uh, I pay for it. Okay. So <laughs> here's a quote. In the decades after the Civil War, many uh, wealthier residents of old inner-city neighborhoods had moved uh, to garden suburbs uh, along Esplanade uh, Avenue, St. Charles Avenue, and further uptown to escape urban nuisances such as warehouses and sugar refineries. The French Quarter had become increasingly home to working-class residents thanks to decreasing poverty value, uh, decreasing property values, not poverty values, uh, and approximately... Uh, proximity to employment opportunities. Newly arrived immigrants from Sicily settled in large numbers beginning in the 1800s, 
By the 1920s, the neighborhood, especially in the areas closer to um, Esplanade Avenue, was populated by first and second generation Sicilians who joined the racially and ethically uh, diverse community. Now, I'm only mentioning all of this just to show who was living in the area and why. Also because of the frustrations with living conditions, crime was high. Uh, this murder uh, in particular stood out because it was more gruesome than the other murders in the area. Um, and if I didn't mention it, I think I did. But uh, we're covering the New Orleans trunk murders. Okay. So it was pretty gruesome. That's why I, I mean, will tell most, you. Most murders are. Well, this one was pretty bad. Um, so as I stated previously, the Modi uh, brothers lived together, not alone, mind you. They had their wives. They weren't alone, I'm sorry, mind you. They were had their wives with them, and they also had five children between them. Um, Henry's wife is Teresa, and his brother's wife's name was uh, Leonide. L-E-O-N-I-D-E. Yes, the female version of Leonidas. Sure. Or, yeah, I was going to say Leonardo, but that's Leonardo. I uh, already talked about that bitch uh, making people into soap. Yes. Which we also, funnily enough, put on our Patreon as an early episode mm. before it came out. Now, I did not find out which had three kids and which had two because, well, in all the information that the kids were pretty much left out of, the whole story for the most part. Two and a half each. Well, they had one had three, one had two. Well, they so, said five between them. Split yeah. the difference at two and a half kids each. Sure. As the American average anyway. So. Okay. I don't know how you have a half a kid, but okay. Um, so the whole family Table was... Saw. Oh. Okay. Okay. So each gets a half of a kid? Yep. There was some Bible stuff about that, if I remember correctly. I don't They're know. They're going to split a child or a wife. Or, I don't remember. I don't know. Um, the whole family was actually was living in a nineteen in nineteen twenty seven at a at seven fifteen Ursulines in what can only be described as a tenement squalid uh, squalid and nearly without furniture. Yeah, project around a thousand foot square a thousand square foot. It wasn't a comfortable fi- uh, life. They had come to New Orleans from New Iberia. That had oh, fucking where? Excuse me. New Iberia, Louisiana. Oh, okay. Just a different part. Never heard of it. Um, New Iberia had a population at the time of six thousand two hundred seventy-eight. The two brothers had moved their families in hopes of finding better jobs and better lives. They were both unsuccessful, and Henry and Joseph worked odd jobs to make ends meet, but barely so. They struggled to pay their rent. And there was hardly ever enough food for all of them to eat, which kind of sucked for them. Yeah, that'll suck. Um, one night, an argument between Henry and Teresa escalated when Teresa waved a $5 note in her husband's face, telling him that she and Leonide were more capable of earning money than her husband. their husbands. Oh. She led her husband to believe that she had been getting paid for servicing other men. Uh-huh. Yeah kind of rough uh henry flew into a blind rage but told her that he was willing to forgive her and forget if Teresa fulfilled her duties as a quote good wife uh over the next few days henry continued to come 
home to a filthy house, no food, and starving children. Well, she's out hooking. She's busy. Yeah. I think she's just lazy. Well, I mean, um, she made money somehow, so... Uh, uh, I don't know. Regardless of how, how often he talked to his wife and how often he promised to do, thing, to do better, things cont- constantly stayed the same. At this point, his brother Joe had already given up on his wife uh, alleged, alleged infidelities and left the family behind, his family behind. So Henry had been burdened with not only the responsibility of taking care of his own kids and wife, but he also now had his brother's kids and wife yeah. to actually take care of in the, in the household. Now somebody needs to start hooking. <laughs> so, Even if it's him. Yeah. By the t- uh, time... 15 hours a day at the factory, then I'm down out on the streets, sucking dick till 4 o'clock in the morning. Who do you think's putting fucking food on the table for this family? Not you. <laughs> you can't even clear off the table. I'm a man, doing man stuff, making money. Yeah. Sucking dicks. Exactly. So by the time of this fight taking place, poor Henry was not uh, faring too well because he had found himself having to take care of not only for, like I said, for his family, but also the the wife and kids of his brother. Uh, Joseph had uh, had enough of his wife and up and moved out because um, he neither either knew what his wife was doing or suspected of it. So now back to Henry and his troubles. Henry was out on the streets trying to drum up business for a sign painting business he wanted to start. When he returned to find home to find uh, the woman actually packing to leave. He said they taunted him and said they decided to set up, quote, shop, which he took to mean prostituting themselves. Henry would take off and he would find refuge at a local watering hole, a.k.a. bar. He would then become excessively drunk and he would buy a cane machete. Oh, neat. From the bartender. Yeah, I mean, this is a back in the time where you could buy, you know, guns and hardware stores and shit, so why yeah. not? Also, uh, if you go to Pittsburgh now, well, as far as I know, last time I was there, you could buy cigarettes in bars and still smoke inside, which was fucking amazing. Now... I think it's a federal thing now, so you can't... I don't know, because, like, they had him in a cooler behind the bar, and it was it was the best establishment I've ever been. It was, like, Mm. this shitty little, like, punk rock bar. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, a bunch of, like, steel workers and stuff. Yeah. It was fucking good. It was good. Well, so in his drunken stupor, he would head for home. Arriving home, he would find his wife and his sister-in-law sleeping in the same bed, uh, he would see that they had their trunks packed and planned to leave the next day. This must have been the the straw that broke the camel's back because he would take the sugar cane machete and strike his sister-in-law twice with it, and she never woke up. I mean, you hit with a machete, you probably... Uh, but so. his wife, on the other hand, would wake up, Teresa, uh, and she would put up more... Of a, actually put up a fight uh, before she would actually succumb to her wounds. That's why you always start with the strong one first. Yeah. Henry then proceeded to behead the women and cut the rest of their bodies into small pieces that he would later stuff into two trunks. Uh, He would later tell a reporter that they fit nicely into the trunks. (laughs) 
He removed his wife's uh, wedding ring and pushed it into an open wound in her back. That's fucking gross. The floor of the apartment was so co- was covered with blood, fingers, and teeth. Damn. Yeah. Get pictures? No. Oh, damn it. Okay. No, I don't. Oh, damn it, son. I don't think there's pictures. Oh, we're going to find out. Well, this is the 1920s. They had the uh, technology. They had movies. Yeah. So after he would finish his gruesome act, he would get uh, his kids up and go outside to hail a cab. He would have the cab drive driver bring him and the children to his sister's house. He would leave the children with her without any explanation. He would. He then fled to the swamps, planning to escape via freight boat uh, through Bayou La Forche. A few hours later, when the sun came up, uh, is when the women were are discovered. Uh, they were found by the other husband. Uh, they were. Not, oh, let me start this again. Woof. They were not found by the other husband and brother Joseph. Nope, not found by him at all. No, because he's he, gone. He's gone. He fucking no split town. Uh. Well, he, you know, you know, you'd think that maybe he had a change of heart, just nah, came back. Nah, no, nah, he's fucking no. done. Nope. He's over it. No, it's actually the family housekeeper, Nettie Compass. Hold on here. We can't afford food, but we can afford a fucking housekeeper? That's the part I don't get of this whole thing. I don't know. Can't, um, that doesn't sit well with me. No. I don't know how, 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 yeah, I don't you know. You can't put food on the table for your kids. Maybe you can pay may, some dickhead to come in and maybe, clean your house. Maybe, maybe it's not, maybe she's not hired by them. Maybe she's a hired by the people that they're renting from. This sounds like it's like a fucking. I'm just guessing. Yeah, but this also sounds like it's the projects, basically. From well, the way the you, French the, Quarter. The way you described the, the building and the living situation of everybody in it. Doesn't sound like a housekeeper type of place. I don't think it's supposed to have been. It's not supposed to have been for that many people. I mean, it's a, a thousand square foot house. Yeah, but I thought it was. I thought apartment. it was a, a building that they were in. No, they're in a part. Well, they're an apartment. Yes, but it's a thousand square foot. Not big. Small. No, right, but what I'm saying is, is, is this an apartment building or just a singular apartment? Um, I don't. I'm gonna guess a probably apartment building. Hmm, okay. Okay. So uh, my guess is that they were hired by the landlord. Some the landlord must have hired, you know, somebody to clean that place. I don't know. So anyway, Nettie uh, Compass uh walks into the apartment on October 10th, 1927 to clean it and finds the gruesome scene. It was so bad that she would scream bloody murder and call for help. She gets the attention of two men nearby, and they call for the police. Uh, now, it, it's to be said that I guess these – it's not really major detail, but um, I guess the, these men were actually like insurance salesmen. So <laughs> responding officers uncovered the full horror of the murder scene. Two small uh, traveling trunks packed with the expertly butchered corpses of two young women – Blood-soaked mattresses where the uh, victims uh, had lain. Several fingers on the floor. A bathroom covered in blood. 
So I think right here we'll take a little bit of a break and we'll come back and we'll finish this up. New Orleans Parish Coroner Dr. George Walling determined that the killer had first bludgeoned the women with a lead bully, billy club before decapitating them with a machete and amputating their arms and legs. I found a picture of that machete. That thing is fucking rugged looking. It's a it's, cane machete, yeah. It's not like the ones you, you get like at Walmart where it's you know a long blade with like a, like a rounded tip at uh -uh. the end. This is a big, wide blade with a fucking square, like yeah. flat head on the top of it. It's a beefy looking piece of equipment. Yeah, they are. Is it well? I mean, it has to be to You're cut cane. cane sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sugar cane. That's true. how I should have said that. Yes. But I am retarded. Uh, authorities recovered a gold wedding band buried in a deep gash in one of the victims' bags, clothing that investigators believed had been tossed from the trunks to accommodate the women's remains, was uh, strewn about the tenement alongside uh, discarded human remains. Now, I'm not sure about this next part because one source said that two days after the bodies were discovered, the news... Okay, th so two days after this, something happened, and so I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll say, actually, like, I'm going to kind of almost verbatim what it says, and then we're going to go to another scenario of what happened. They supposedly happened mm -hmm. two days after it. So I don't really know. I think it's, like, weird. But anyway, uh, so two days after the bodies were discovered, the news had spread, and an article in the Times-Picayune read, Bodies found in trunks. Most of the public was aware of the murders, so Henry, when Henry attempted to flee, the crew of the, of the freight boat he was boarding was, grew suspicious of him and reported him to the police. Now, another source said that two days after the murder, Henry found it, the gem, which is a small freight boat, running through Bayou Lafourche. But the crew had seen the news, which was nationwide by then, and were suspicious of him. So they let him aboard anyway. But <laughs> once they... We think you might have done this. Bye, well, yeah, hop on. Well, yeah. they, there's a reason. But once they saw his distinctive uh, naked... Lady Tattoo, they subdued him and waited for the police. Oh, he's got pornography on him. Yes. Like, literally on him. So, now, another whole scenario that I came across was that the New Orleans Superintendent of Police, Thomas Healy. Now, this is, this is the one I actually think is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, uh, I keep, you know, I hate to harp on it, everybody, but this is one of those reasons why it makes fucking podcasting hard is because... If you can only use the internet and you don't have access to a whole bunch of books on a topic, mm -hmm. it's it, tricky. yeah, it's very, very tricky. So the whole other scenario that I came across was that New Orleans Superintendent of Police Thomas Healy set up about locating the husbands. Leonide's husband, Joseph, turned himself in that evening. However, uh, Henry was nowhere to be found. Both couples and their... Young children lived in a small apartment. Joseph told police he had recently moved in with his sister after catching Leonide with another man. Neighbors reported bitter fights over money, constant accusations of infidelity, and wild drinking bouts in the household. After determining that Henry had uh, headed to a Camp Street boarding house where he planned a getaway to ship by ship, Superintendent Healy radioed 
uh, the seven ships sailing out of New Orleans that had been uh, that to be on the lookout for him. Right. Uh, Healy's dispatches to uh, area law enforcement described Henry as having, quote, dark bushy hair, very dark brown eyes, and tattoo mark on arm, flower with lady face, also nude woman. <gasps> How dare he? I know. Scandal. On Saturday, October 29th, two days after the woman's bodies were discovered, crewmen of the freighter Gem reported Henry Modi to the La Forge Parish Sheriff. Henry had uh, begged his way onto the ship using a false name, but the crew recognized his tattoo from the newspaper stories about the crimes. So, like I said, I think this this little version here is, is more, more plausible. Accurate. Yeah. But... I figured, hey, might as well give the other I accounts. Both there, yeah. yeah. Um, now, with this all, all this out of the way, no matter how things went, Henry was caught and he was brought in for questioning. Now, gotta say, Joseph actually was let off because. But yeah, because he obviously they, didn't have anything to do with yeah, it. Yeah, they put two and two together and were like, okay, yeah. Get an you, alibi. You, and, yeah. You know. Uh,. So he was brought. You know, Henry's brought in for questioning. In his confession, Harry, Henry detailed his motives for the killing, while also insisting that his mind had been wrapped, uh, warped by alcohol. He was enraged over an affair he believed his wife was having with the couple's landlord, Joseph Caruso. Wait in, a minute! You said this is the twenties. Yeah. I thought it was illegal to drink in the twenties. Well, that means nobody would have done it because it's illegal. Speakeasies. No, no. If it's illegal, people don't do it. I know. That's why they made fentanyl and all that shit legal in Oregon, so you can do it. Uh, you know. Well, fentanyl is not technically illegal because they prescribe it. No, but you can like buy it illegally and smoke it in the streets legally now too. Like they have, there was a dude that was running a literal drugs store where he was selling like crack and heroin and shit like that, and uh, believe it or not, they found him not too long ago uh, overdosed behind the counter in his own store. Oh, that sucks. Shocking. Hmm. Hey, it doesn't really, though. I mean. <laughs> not really. No. Uh, so, in Henry's version of the events, he was provoked to vengeance by Teresa's uh, uh, imminent plans yeah, to leave him. In addition to her infidelities, the neglect of the children. He was also, like, kind of yeah, a little bit pissy about his sister-in-law as well because she thought he felt he, she and get and gets a little bit. Sorry, she was a little bit pissy. He was a little pissy towards his sister-in-law because she felt that uh, she had a negative influence yeah. and and pushed his wife into doing a lot of the things that she was doing. She's being a real dick about it. Yeah. Now Henry did not uh, make it hard for prosecutors to prove premeditation. The afternoon before the murder, she told the housekeeper, Nettie Compass, the woman who later discovered the victims, that he, he should, quote, uh, take a pistol and shoot both of those bastards. Talking about his wife, the wife and sister-in-law. Yeah. Lady bastards. Yes. Ladies can be bastards, too. They can. Later that evening, Nettie testified that she remembered Henry pulling her aside and whispering not to be scared if... Nettie and her family heard the children crying in the morning. So, kind of like preemptive. <laughs> Why the fuck would you do that? I don't know. Because then you're putting that into their head like well, something's going to happen. Well, I mean, it could be also that, you know, they could be crying because 
he kind of knew that they were going to leave. So I don't think he, at that point he thought of, that he was going to kill them. That that they were just going to be crying because their mother were, their mothers were gone. Yeah, but still, that puts that seed you know. in your head to go. Eh, something might I happen. Know. You know, something may happen. True. People true. back then were fucking stupid because they admitted to crimes before they did them. That's true. All the time. Uh, in a Times Picayune article, Parish Coroner Doctor George Rowling noted the killer's skill with a knife at trial, saying, "Quote: The killer." who decapitated Miss, uh, Mrs. Henry Modi, knew enough not to, to try to cut through the bone, but to cut through the joint. Yeah. The oh. appearance of the head of the wife of the defendant indicated that it had been skillfully removed. Now, before coming to New Orleans, it's to be said, that Henry uh, actually had worked as a butcher's assistant in New Liberia. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the two murders were tried separately by two different judges. Yeah, no, um, that makes sense. Henry was found guilty in both cases and sentenced to two concurrent terms of life in prison. Henry began his sentence at Louisiana State Penitentiary on uh, July 6th of 1928. Uh, in 1934, Henry was made a, quote, trustee okay, of okay. the prison, meaning he was given... Uh, responsibility for special assignments and was less heavily guarded than the uh, other prisoners. Uh, now, Louisiana State Penitentiary, you know which one that is? I should, but I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. That's, um, um, fuck, I had it right off Why top would you ask me if you don't know? I had it right off the top <laughs> of my head. Uh, you prick. God damn it. Son of a bitch. It's the fucking, like, like the super fucking, oh, I can't. Never mind. I don't know. Anyway. Louisiana. Yeah, State. it's the fucking. Uh, starts with an A. All I can think is Attica. It's not Attica. It's uh. Angola. Angola. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fucking hard ass one, like work labor. Yeah. Angola. Yeah. Um. Which, you know, I don't see that being a problem if you're in prison. Like, I know there's people out there that, that bitch and want prison reform. They're like, well, these people that are in prison are working and they're making less than minimum wage. They're in fucking prison. Are you going to complain that they can't vote, too? No, like, you are in prison. Like, they can vote. Felons can't vote. Mm. Since when? Oh, I thought they could. No, if, you, if you're a felon in prison, you cannot vote. If you have a felony record and you're out of prison, you can. But if you are incarcerated, I'm not like 90% sure you can't hmm. vote. Uh, I don't know. But, you know. Well, well they're only making like $2 an hour. That might be too much in some cases. You probably shouldn't be making anything at all. Yeah. It's like, they're in there for like rapes and murders and shit. Yeah. Like, they should be dead anyway instead. But here we are, giving them a job. Fucking doing whatever. Stamping license plates or whatever the fuck they do. So... Remember how I said that he was a trustee, you know, like, was able to be trusted to be doing different things? Yeah. Okay. Well, this comes back to bite him in the ass, because in the summer of 1944, on a routine trip to the post office, Henry simply hired a taxi to take him to Hammond, Louisiana. That makes sense. From there, he caught, uh, caught the Illinois Central Panama Limited en route to Chicago. 
capsule. He just fucking took off. Why, though? You're that close to... I don't know. He wanted to go to Chicago. You get the fuck out of the country. But the, 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 it works out well being a trustee because you keep doing stuff like this and you keep coming back. And eventually they're just like, ah, he ain't going to do nothing. Well, this is where, you know, they liked him so much that George Provost, Provosti, the superintendent of prison camps in Louisiana at Angola, seemed unconcerned. <laughs> He'll be back. He predicted Henry would soon return of his own accord. Since he had served 16 years of his sentence and had a chance of being paroled due to temporary insanity, due to his consumption of alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time of the killings, he well, he never actually came back. Well, no way. That's not entirely true. Two years later, he would actually be stopped by police for suspicious behavior uh, in 1946 in St. Louis, Missouri, when he attempted. Uh, when he admitted his identity, he was returned to prison at Angola. Despite his two-year sabbatical from prison, the uh, Louisiana Prison Board would recommend him for parole in 1947. Jesus Christ. So on March 26, 1948, Governor Jimmy Davis signed the pardon. Oh, 21 years late after killing his wife and sister-in-law, Henry Modi was free. Now, after getting out of prison, Henry moved to California, and we think that, you know, well, he should be reformed, right? No, you. Th- there's very sm- like, there's a very low range of people that go into prison for violent crimes that actually reform. And well, come out I mean, the other side. well, the guy that who's just acted out of being drunk and hatred and you know passion, uh, maybe, maybe no, eh, I don't know. Well, not we, the case. Got a taste for it. Not the case for this guy. So after getting out of prison, Henry moved to California in hopes of restarting. At a Los Angeles hotel in 1956, Henry shot his girlfriend, Alberta Orange, in the chest, puncturing her lung. He was sentenced to five years at Folsom Prison for attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon. Hmm. He would end up actually dying in prison after having a stroke in 1957, so one year later. Damn, dude, he didn't even get to see yeah. Johnny Cash play. Nope. That sucks. Uh, <laughs> so memory of his crime survives in part due to the uh, themes this story shares with a popular French Quarters ghost story. The ghost story is called Sausage Ghost of Ursuline I Street. Was, okay. So actually, Well, I was looking for pictures that came up and I actually have the article pulled up I'm like well, this is interesting this could be I'm actually going to read it new episode in this motherfucker so uh, recounted among other places in Lyle Saxon's collection of Louisiana folk tales Gumbo Yaya the ghost sausage uh, the sausage ghost tells a legend tells of a of mid 19th century German immigrants Mr. and Mrs. Hans Muller who opened a factory on the ground floor of their property at 725 Erstline Street, just a few doors down so from the yeah, building. It's like a block down. Yeah. From uh, where Modi, the Modi family lived. The story goes that Hans Muller killed his wife and, to hide his crime, made sausages out of her body and served them out of his butcher shop for weeks, mm-hmm. only to, to be found out after a customer bit into a piece of Mrs. Muller's wedding ring. Her ghost is said to actually have haunted the shop until Muller went insane. And he went German insane, so it's a completely yeah. different type of insane. Yeah. So that is uh, 
that everybody is the New Orleans Trunk Murders. Okay, okay. So, which is kind of a, it's kind of a short little crime, but kind of to the point. And, and like, I'm not going to lie, I tried my pretty hardest while we were sitting here to find crime scene photos, and I couldn't find any. Yeah. I just find stuff from when they were in court, but... Eh. And it wasn't really... I just wanted to see if there was actually, like, fingers and teeth on the floor, if that was yeah. just fake news, like... Nah. Yellow journalism, doing journalism shit. I know. You know. It's, it's crazy how journalism hasn't changed since it started. It's still all <laughs> bullshit, and, you know... You got it. You don't know who to believe. But you can believe us. And you can believe us yeah. that $5 a month is totally worth it over at patreon.com forward slash podcast. Or you'll get an extra episode every week. Wow. They're of, they're of uh, varying degrees of quality, but you'll get an extra one every week, I promise. It's pretty, uh, that was pretty fucking slick, I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. I put my pants just now, too. So. <laughs> um, you can also go over and check out our Swedish friends at studio.com. Get some uh, earbuds or set of headphones or a speaker. Throw them in your cart. Put in Dark Windows 15 at checkout. 15% off your entire order. Um, you find us on Facebook at Facebook. Nobody goes on Facebook.com. You just use your fucking app on your phone. <laughs> so in Dark Windows podcast. You'll get two things that pop up. You'll have one with our OG logo that you see every time you download the show. That's the fan page. That's, that's the fun one. Like, get in there and we'll talk shit and post, like, inappropriate things on Facebook because... Believe it or not, we've been doing that. We've had that page up for like five years. We've had nothing get reported by other people because it's a bunch of sick fucks in there that all kind of get along for the most part. Um, the other one you'll see is the Dark Windows Varg artwork that one of our friends on Instagram did. Um, that's the show page. That's like the actual podcast page where you can go and leave us a review. And if you leave us a positive review of five stars or better, and you mention something like a topic of some sort in it, we'll do our pretty good, our pretty damnedest to uh, to make sure we cover that in the next few weeks. I promise. I keep pushing that because nobody's done it yet, and it literally takes like uh, two fucking seconds. Two seconds. I've done that on other podcast shows, and I've heard both the episodes I've requested. It's been fantastic. Let them fight covered a super, super violent hockey player that I wanted them to talk about. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you want to go listen to that and you find their Bob Probert episode, I'm responsible for requesting that. Um, and they, they I don't think they remember who it was that requested their uh, the Nathaniel Barjona episode. But um, that was me, too. And I, I think they told me, if I'm not mistaken, to go fuck myself at the end of it. Because it's disgusting, and he's a real piece of shit. Um, I wanted somebody else to cover him, because I'm not going to. Um, yeah, so check that out, too. Uh, they're not a sponsor of the show. I'm not sure if they're even a friend of the show. I know they've they've shouted us out before, because um, they've apparently listened here and there, but great fucking show. If you like us, you'll like them, because they're actually funny. Um, yeah, it's good shit. It's good shit. Um, by the time some of you are hearing this, we will be live at, well, watching. I believe that, shut up, Kevin. <laughs> We're going to be attending a show with, uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories, Brohio, and our dear sweet friend, Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances. Um, we will be there live, not performing, but we will be there and alive. 
Um, well, so if being, you're yeah. if you're in the greater Buffalo area and you want to spend like thirty bucks and go listen to three fucking fantastic podcasts, do it. I'm pretty sure they still have tickets. And so. meet a mediocre one. I mean, it's half mediocre. I'm pretty all right. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. I, I can't. I, I won't disagree. You know, you're in here in a Hawaiian shirt that looks like one of my grandmother's tablecloths. Hey, shut the fuck up. It's not even a good Hawaiian, dude. Is it soft? Or is it, it scratchy? Is. It's soft. It looks scratchy. It's soft. I don't know. It's soft. Uh, Trust me. It's a bad pattern, though. You're a bad pattern. Mine are way better. I've got so many. And I don't give so a nice. shit. It's a bad pattern. Yeah, yeah, suck it. No, I'd rather not. But I'm not telling you what to suck, but just suck it. Okay. Anyway. All right. <laughs> So with that being said, we're going to go and record Patreon next, which um, should totally give us five bucks and listen to this. One's, uh, this one's interesting. Yeah. Um, nothing so, super violent or paranormal or anything like that. Just a real fucking weird story. Yeah. Um, okay. And this guy, this guy climbed through the ranks of the military and did some wild shit. Um, yeah. So just because you can't see out in the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. I got it right this time. No, Aha. I got Haha, fuck you. Bye. <laughs>